the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my cousin, pal, the man, the plan, the one and only, the one and only John Malika. John, my guy. Well, before I say that, everyone, if you're watching this video on YouTube or if you listen to this on any audio platform, please make sure to subscribe and please make sure to hit that like button. All right. Support us. Gives you the free con. We're giving you free content over here. All right. <laughs> the more subscribers we get, the more content we can push out and the better we can make it. With that being said, my guy, John, how you feeling today, bro? What's going on? How you feeling overall? I'm good, man. Life is good right now. It's uh, officially, officially fall. Uh, the lights are about to turn out in New York. We're in, uh, there's going to be no sun uh, starting at 5 o'clock. You know? It's officially turning, man. I, I can't believe the Jets are so relevant. We, we went through a heartbreaking week from the Yankees. Uh, losing, getting swept by the Astros to the Jets injury, even though we're five and two. Mm-hmm. But we're here for the Knicks, man. And so far on your birthday, you were represented us at, at the garden. I was there for game two of the garden so far. Knicks, Jets, et cetera is very well represented at the garden. And I love what I see from the New York Knicks. I know we're two and one, meaning we lost. And that was to. America's darling right now, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we, us and the Nets both lost to that, our only road game. Like they, they finished up New York real quick <laughs> within mm-hmm. the first uh, couple games of the season. It was a close one, man. Uh, to overtime, but dude, Alex, I mean, you're, you've been all over Knicks fan TV. I, I, I want to hear your experience so far, uh, going into the season. I want to know about your first game of the year uh with Knicks fan TV at the garden with the event. And I also want to know your take on Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, baby, because we are here. Let's go. Oh man. So playoffs, I- baby. Top six. I'm ready. I'm all the way in right now. So what let me just say last week was a really good birthday week. You know, started off at the 4040 club through Knicks fan TV, Bet MGM experience. That was great. Even though we lost to the Memphis Grizzlies in overtime, it was a good showing by the Knicks with Julius Randle fouling out. Home opener back again. Still representing KJE at all these places, baby. Don't worry about it. Knicks fan TV, Omni fan, home opener, season home opener at the Garden last Friday against the Detroit Pistons where we just mollywopped them, as my guy John would say. And then we got... The shellacking. Well, not even out. Actually, it wasn't the shellacking. We just defeated the Orlando Magic. They're talented. Paolo Banchero is legit. All right. He, that, 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 that boy is legit. All right. He, he's legitimately baptized man. by Obi Toppin. That's what, that's what he's legit. He's still a good player. I'm going to give him that. But overall, man, it was a great experience, a great birthday week. On top of that, the Jets won. Yankees stunk it up, which I, I, you know, we're not gonna yeah. get into that. We're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna tickle Greg's fancy over here with that, <laughs> that conversation. But, but the much. New England, but the, much, by the way. but, but the New England Patriots <laughs> benched McCorkle and they lost to the Chicago Bears. So all is looking up for my birthday and everything. Knicks are looking good, bro. You want to talk about Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? 
That is yes. like the power. That is the power duo right now. Yes. That, I so, want to talk about Jalen Brunson, so, Julius Randle because everybody's been screaming at me, telling me it's not going to work. How can you overpay for Brunson? We got to trade Randle. Tibbs is an idiot. Like, I, I know it's only three games, but yes, I would, I, I would like to start with the hundred million dollar man. I, both of our hundred million dollar men. Three, we have three hundred million dollar men. Yeah. To be honest with you, so I, I don't want to talk about the third one for now because I'm, we, that, that's another conversation. Let's start, let's start with the positive vibes. Let's start with the positive all right, vibes. All right, all right. <laughs> so I like it, man. I like what I'm seeing. I, I, you've been preaching it. Um, I came around to it. It was the whole, Julius Randle needed a point guard. And we're seeing that. You know, you have it, you're hearing conversations where Julius Randle is, uh, is, is playing fun and free because he's got Jalen Brunson. Uh, Jalen Brunson's taking the pressure off of Julius Randle where he doesn't have to be the initiator every single possession. And we have, we got a point guard, John. That, that, honestly, when I was in the garden in the section for Knicks fan TV and OmniFan, it's all they screamed was, we got a point guard. And it, it, you can't, there's no better banner slogan that could be said for this team right now because Jalen Brunson just makes the game that much easier for Julius Randle and everyone else around him, man. I mean, he's averaging 17 points right now. He's averaging 3.7 rebounds, seven assists right now. And he's just doing a phenomenal job. No, talk to me about the turnovers. Talk to me about the turnovers. Well, he's got three turnovers last game, but it, it, he, he was, he was doing, That's it. he was doing pretty- yeah, three That's turnovers. It. He only has three turnovers. Like, yeah, he yeah, twenty-one, twenty-one assists, three turnovers. It's a season. great ratio. It's a great <laughs> ratio. Twenty-one assists, three turnovers. Phenomenal, man. Because he had fifteen and six prior to that. Fifteen turn, fifteen assists, no turnovers. He got six last night. Got three turnovers in the in the process, but still a great ratio, man. Twenty-one to three. That's phenomenal. And he's Playing making the game defense. easier, man. It's making the game easier. And it's not any of this like simple read stuff that you would see like Russell Westbrook do, like running in transition, just dumping it off. No, he is like calling out pick and rolls, snake dribbling inside, waiting for like causing the defense to come to him and then finding somebody right out of non-scripted plays. That's the stuff we were missing. Brunson's a three-level score. Dude could do it all, man. I'm just happy. And he defensively, I think he's taken up another notch, dude. That's what I'm saying, dude. He wasn't doing I, this on Dallas last season. He's taken it up another notch. I, honestly, I think he was. I, I just think we were so blind to it because of Luca. And anytime that he came in, we just thought it was, you know, fluke. And Jalen Brunson is who we all thought he was going to be or what, at least what the contract was, right? Like this is what we paid him to be. Or, so that's why or, I'm not shocked. Uh, or at least he, what we were preaching last season, where we were asking for Jalen Brunson before we just signed Jalen Brunson on this podcast. Non-stop. Yeah, he 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 need he needed he needed to be the defensive stopper. He needed to get those offensive fouls. He needed to pick the ball, get in the passing lane, and he needed to be you know the commander of the offense. And that's exactly what he's doing. And he's making Julius Randle. Julius Randle might be the happiest person in the entire Garden yesterday. And that makes me the happiest person, <laughs> like the second happiest person in the whole garden because he was, he's playing nice. He's playing free. He's getting, he's, he's bailing the offense out. You know, yeah. he's doing the Julius Randle bailouts when we need him to. He's finding mismatches. Like, yo, uh, he had a mismatch in the corner. I forgot who, who he's on the baseline. He wanted to spin move so bad. He like passed off to get it back just so he could like be like, all right, I passed it just to get back and, and, and spin move. And, and yeah, it was yeah, a great yeah. play. The, 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 he's getting boards. The only the only issue I have, we we got to get better on interior defense with Julius Randle. I, 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 it's probably a little bit to do with the center stuff. I also want to talk about that later. But dude, I have nothing but great things to say about Julius Randle, about Jalen Brunson. 
Hey, that man. Fournier play yesterday, I mean, like literally made made my heart flicker. Like Julius Randle usually gets the ball within the last eight seconds of the shot clock and everyone just stands there. He dribbles for five seconds, shoots it, misses it. Everyone gets annoyed. But nobody did anything to, you know, to help the situation. You asked for a bailout. It didn't work. And now everyone's pissed off. I hate that. That's what, you know, I hate that about humans in general, about regular everyday issues, right? Where you just stand there, complain about the problem and don't give a solution, right? Yeah. And that's what the Knicks were doing. With on the floor, Julius Randle. Now, Evan Fournier, where he hasn't been his, his true self, or maybe he is his true self from what we saw last year. He's, he's pretty much exactly what we remember from last year. Uh, but he's creating his own shot off the ball, right? Like, he, uh, it was like eight minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, Terrence Ross is on Fournier on top of the key. Julius Randle kind of on the elbow, just like dribbling. Fournier cuts in, makes sure that Terrence Ross kind of like, Edges towards Randall. Everybody knows that Randall's going to shoot it, right? <laughs> no, yeah. that, that's in the, that's in the game script. The ISO, the shot clock's going down. Randall's just going to take it. Kind of just like a sneakily, you know, uh, backtracks to the corner, his favorite spot and does his, you know, honestly, what I'm going to start calling the French fade. He loves that. He loves that shot. Even if he's, nobody's fade. on him, he just fades out of bounds. I don't get it. I like it. But what haircut it is no this, sense. bro? All right. Now are you getting it? <laughs> the French fade. <laughs> it makes no sense, bro. But you know, uh, th- that's what I like about the off ball movement. And then Obi Toppin, he's perfect for this offense. He runs it. Cam Reddish, he's an erratic dude. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to fit with the whole grime situation coming back. I'd like to get your take on that. And lastly, I mean, I, I have an issue with the centers. So I, I, was- I don't want to say lastly, but what's going on with RJ? Is he coming back? Is he just on a mini slump? Hey. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with RJ. He's been up and down. He had a bad game against Memphis. Awesome game against Detroit. He saved himself against the, um, magic, the magic. So what do you mean by save himself? Well, he got 20 points. He, he kind of gathered himself in the second, in the second half, got his, found his offense and was able to create some score, was able to score. He played better defense. He was then starting to pass. He turned it on the second he half. He had a phenomenal game versus the Magic. Like in a, in a narrow view, like if you just watch that game, RJ had a great, great game. I mean, I know this sure. is a real analysis. My mom is the most, uh, I, I think objective, you know, because she gets easy to honor off on players. Like there's no, she has no, she either hates them or likes them based on every game. And especially Randall. She was so happy with Randall, which was amazing, but. She would love the RJ. She calls him Star J. She loves him. RJ, RJ. She screams about RJ Barrett and he did phenomenal yesterday. There was no complaints. Yeah, he was he, aggressive. The only he thing he aggressive. missed a couple threes. Like if, if he hits not even that, threes, dude. we're going to be so hyped, but you know, that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That will be hyped, but it's also the shot selection, dude. Like he's forcing stuff. Like he went one for nine in the first half. I'm yeah. sorry, but once you get that contract, you're in the fourth year. All those things, like we're looking for you to be this franchise player. You have to play better that. You got to have better shot selection. And the good thing about RJ is that he usually has a good floor game and is able to adjust. He didn't do that against Memphis. He didn't play make. He was still playing okay defense, but he didn't play make. And he kind of, like he was okay on the boards. This, he had a better floor game, but really it comes down to shot selection because the Memphis, I mean, not the Memphis, the Orlando Magic were still in this game. Like in the third quarter, we're talking about them taking over, you know, and it was thanks to Jalen Brunson who had a quick seven points to really get back the lead for the New York Knicks. But for RJ, like it comes down to efficiency, man. And you have to have, I understand that this is a thing that with RJ where he has slow starts and then he figures it out. But I, yes, I want to be aggressive 
it's still showing that there's still more areas of his game to develop, especially the mid range. Although he did have a mid range jumper yesterday. That's what I'm saying. But, but, cool. and, and like, it's, 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 it's gradual improvement. I, I understand it's going to take more throughout the season for him to get comfortable, but while you're not plus. there yet, while you're not there yet, uh-huh. I'm looking for him to like really, uh, to just really have better shot selection, man, to be more judicious and just like, just draw the defense, look for somebody else, get other players involved. Like one for nine, like nine shots and just getting one. That's rough, bro. Some of those shots were all rough to watch. The efficiency is always going to be a problem. If it's going to be shot selection, then I'll be worried because that has to do with confidence and getting open and spacing. And I'm sure he has to just try to find his grind. Brunson and Randall sure have found the chemistry. RJ, he's just trying to find his groove. There's 79 games left, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think there's plenty of time for RJ to get it together. Grimes isn't there. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how well Grimes, first of all, this foot thing is weird. I hope it's not plantar because that's what it always ends up being when it's weird feet stuff that no one wants to talk about, uh, lingering issues. I wonder what Grimes and Fournier kind of being mediocre and, and Cam Reddish being erratic. Like what's your take on Cam Reddish? Like the hottest topic in, in, in honestly, Twitter history, I think. <laughs> I honestly don't think he's that erratic man i think he's been pretty solid through the first three games i think he's been pretty efficient especially obviously against uh memphis where he just went ballistic and got 20 20 plus points and then yesterday he was still efficient too three for four had your two rebounds uh had two assists like he was doing his thing playing solid defense he did it within 14 minutes but it's still solid play for a guy who just came in three for four you can't ask for more to get you seven points like that yeah um I think he's been pretty solid, man. He didn't have like that gangbuster game against Detroit, but it was fine. Everybody else pitched in. The bench and was hot. Have it. Yeah. yeah. The bench was hot. He didn't need to. Like D Rose yeah. was and doing so good. Fine. IQ was fine. For a guy who's been erratic in the preseason, he's been pretty on point for the first three games. And you bring up like what's going to happen with Quentin Grimes when he comes back. I'm looking at Evan Fournier, man. Like, yeah. I know, I, like, I know, I know you I don't know. like to hear it, but. The defense, dude. I'm really thinking about defense at this point. Yeah. Like Cam offers, you know, he offers the wingspan. He offers, he has a tantalizing ability to just drive and to attack, which we don't really have on this team for someone his size. And yeah, Fournier can shoot. Uh, I think Macri actually talked about it. He tweeted today that Cam has, I think, uh, one of the bet, better, uh, more efficient shot, <laughs> shots today. And we could talk to him about that. Macri is coming up next on the pod. So make sure to stick around, but. You know, between him, Quentin Grimes, I'd like to see those two guys go while the Knicks still get young. And Fournier, like, he's good right now for depth, but I'm expecting it's going to be – I'm looking at Fournier, man, when it really comes down to the shooting guard position. Does that mean that D. Rose's minutes are going to decrease when Grimes comes in as well? You know, that's an interesting question. I really – like, he's been getting very little minutes. And I know. Manuel Quickly, Manuel Quickly has been the first guard off the bench. I know. And I'm intrigued to see how this goes. I know like we talk about resting and I think it's just trying to gradually bring D Rose on slowly so he doesn't injure himself. And he's on the bike on every time he's on the, he's on the bike. If he's not in the game, he just doesn't sit on the bench. Yeah. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, I'm curious, man. I think it's just more so rest and getting him prepared. I mean, we even heard Derek Rose say that. He's going to do whatever be- is best for the team. He's meant to push. He-, he said himself, he's on this team to help push the pace, assist, attack the rim. And if he's not doing that, let somebody else do it. He wants this team to succeed. Like he's really trying to take that leadership role. And I think this is part of it, showing that he's willing to 
not worry about how many minutes he plays and let everyone else succeed. And he's that he's honestly, we don't have Taj. He's the last tip veteran <laughs> to really kind of groom everybody and show what being a team player is and everything is all about. So I'm all here for it. Listen, man, Scott Foster was ref in that game. And the only reason I had, I noticed is because the fouls were insane. And I was like, Oh my goodness, who is refing this game? And I see Scott Foster's face. Uh, I had to start screaming Scott Foster the whole game because the, the early foul trouble for Jalen Brunson was tough. But yo, once IQ got the, the first couple fouls, yo, he kept looking at the, like, if you go watch that game, go look at IQ, what he's doing after he got that second foul also in the first quarter. He just keeps looking at the bench. Like, <laughs> like what's going on? Tibbs is starting to be loose with it, right? He's got the beard going. He's he, he's 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 switching up his rotations. He's playing Yo, he's Cam Reddish. He's those rotations, man. It's, mo- it's keeping so IQ in with, yep. t- with, with fouls. But speaking of fouls, uh, uh, and man, I feel like a broken record here, right? The last question before we get before we move on to this Macri interview. I want to hear from the Tratocaster. Is Mitch Robinson and Hartenstein going to be a chemistry issue by the end of this year? Because Hartenstein gets a hell of a lot of minutes, man. And they both get a hell of a lot of fouls. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they both are going to get 10 fouls a game, which is going to be tough. But Hartenstein, without fact checking, has he been getting more minutes than Mitch? Like just by, just by my eye. He's yes, been, yes, yes. So. He, I know he just got paid. And I think that's I, he's I, being cute in the press conference, saying, "Well, I, I, I want to get paid more." Like, yeah, I want I want I'm want to improve because I want to get paid more. You know, I just smelled the bag. I want more. He's being cute with it, but this is only game three of game four. Like, what's gonna happen game sixty? You know, look, man. We knew that they're both. They both ha- both have two different skill sets. Mitch is more defensive oriented, while Hartenstein is more offensive oriented. I would say Harnstein has more minutes because he, because Mitch was in trouble against Memphis and Harnstein had played the most minutes he ever had in his career. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to help. That was game it's, one. It's, though, it's only, bro. it's only 26.6. <laughs> look, it's 26.7 for Harnstein and it's 22 for Mitch. And they're yeah. both averaging 3.3 personal fouls as of right now. They're going to be um, averaging four and a half. Dude. I'm not even joking. It's crazy. It's wild, but. <laughs> I don't think there's a chemistry issue. I think it's depending on like what the game needs. Like, do you need more defense or do you need more offense? Like when we were destroying Detroit, he like Tibbs left Harnstein in there because we needed some offense just to keep this thing going. And I think the same thing went for Memphis as well, that he left him in there because Mitch doesn't offer that same type. Like we saw the teardrop. We saw the floater from Harnstein. He just is able to draw his defender out of the paint and open it up for everybody else. That's where you're able to see Randall, RJ, Cam, everybody. All those guys were just able to attack the rim because of that. So I think Hartenstein, if it's nice, calls for more offense. You're going to see Hartenstein. And if it's nice for defense, like we saw last night, Mitch was on his defensive bag last night. Mitch has been playing pretty solid outside yeah. of the Grizzlies game, but he's been playing some solid defense. But his numbers aren't going to be there, which is, I think, interesting. Like yesterday, he played solid in what he could, but. Like the rebounds weren't there, the points were, you know. So it's just going to be interesting year. This is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. But you know what, John? We got Macri coming up next. So for everyone, if you haven't done so, please make sure to subscribe. We're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure you give us that five star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a review or comment. 
You can also find this podcast on the Daily Knicks or the Jet Press, which is partnered with Fanside and Minute Media. We also got that YouTube channel, Knicks Comma Jets Comma ETC period. Find the page, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And when you watch a video, hit the like button, add a comment. We add to the conversation. We want to know your thoughts and opinions. What do you think about the first three games to get of the, for the New York Knicks? And what do you think about the remaining upcoming schedule? We're going to talk about that. Uh, what are you mad about? On. What are you mad about? Tell us what you're mad Come about. Come on. What, what is <laughs> Everyone's got a gripe. Everyone's got a gripe. We won yesterday. I'm looking at the Knicks fan TV chat. Everyone's got a gripe. Even people got gripe on Twitter today. Everyone's got a gripe, man. We're still winning. Everyone's got a gripe. The Jets are five and two. We're complaining about the quarterback. Yep. So. Facts. <laughs> what, what are you mad about about this two and one Knicks right now? Also, make sure to check out Winning Picks Weekly, another podcast on the channel. It's also part We're of hot. Minute Media. These We're guys hot. are hot. John, video producer Greg, and our guy and coach Chip Murphy. These guys go through every single sport possible. It's college football and NFL season. So we make sure to, to check it. these guys. Yeah, it's we not even I'm need just to advertise, know, man. It, bro. I'm We're just hot. Letting, I'm just, I'm just honestly, know. just if you if you want to, if you want picks, you come join us on Winning Picks Weekly on the Knicks Jets Cetera, YouTube or on our Spotify on the Winning Picks Weekly, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast. But other it doesn't even need. We are so hot that I honestly feel weird advertising at this point. Yeah, but make sure to, <laughs> now if you need to put money down the line, these guys got you covered. And last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms: We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. All right, stay tuned after this break. We're going to get into our Macri interview. Shout out Nick's Film School. All right. And we're back from the break. And as I promised you listeners, we have Jonathan Macri with us today. So we're going to dive into some questions with Macri, get his takes on uh, the couple of games that we saw so far and some upcoming season questions as well. Mr. Macri, how are you doing, man? It's been a minute. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, you know, three games in, 79 to go at least, hopefully more. <laughs> I think, I think there will be more. Um, I don't know how many more, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm feeling good. I, I like, I like that there is, I mean, look, we're coming off two straight wins. Um, but I like that there is a generally good vibe. Seems like there's a good vibe with the team for sure, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but there's like, seems like a good, good vibe in the fan base. Seems like things are pretty positive and like there's not a whole lot of, you know, consternation. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of consternation. <laughs> Except for quickly, apparently not passing the Cam Reddish, which he quickly saw resolved that uh, you know, whole narrative last night. <laughs> I missed the, the memo on that whole thing. And I'm, I, it's like, God, I'm not, as you guys probably know, I'm not really as online as I, as I was when I was like first coming up and I missed some of these things. And I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not really, not, I'm not, I'm not regretful that I missed that whole, <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. I, yeah, that was, that was, that was really deep into, uh, stretching for, for, for Nick's Twitter. But man, after this entire long off season, like from your perspective, from Nick's film school, like every single week, right? Going over the cap and going over like potential yeah. trades and going over what we think of Tibbs and should we trade Randall? Yeah. What are we going to do with Fournier? And do we care about Grimes? I mean, just all of that, I guess, just all just came barreling into like this little container that we have, and just none yeah. of it was true. Like we all like bottled up all this craziness into this little bottle. We're like, all right, it's gonna be crazy when we opened it, and then it was just like nothing. And we are, uh, we couldn't be any happier. I mean, we lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the darling of the NBA. Like I was talking to Alex about, which doesn't seem so bad anymore, right? That's a great loss over time, and now we're cleaning up. Uh, you know, in, in the East, which is we winning games that we should win. I think my, my first question to you is going to be with 
uh, both the center signings that we had okay. uh, this year. So we re-signed Mitch, which we, that was a hot button topic all year. And then we had this guy Hartenstein that came out of nowhere. Uh, we signed him and kind of the Knicks fan base is like, all right, what's really going on here? We also signed Sims. Uh, he's not yeah. going to really play with us. So we're just like, what's going on here? Some interesting, uh, I, I think, uh, observations. One, Harnstein's getting more minutes. Just, you know, with my eye and, uh, Alex fact checked me. He actually is getting more minutes. You know, I'm just like watching these games and I, last week, uh, I mean, yesterday versus Orlando, foul trouble, fine. But versus the Grizzlies, Harnstein's getting career minutes. I, I'm, I'm just, so I'll just, I'll just toss it up to you. Uh, no, I don't, I won't like point you in any direction, but what, what's your just, what's your thoughts on the, the center position? And kind of what's going on with the rotation and how they're playing in general. Um, how the centers are playing? I yeah. think, I think the centers have been outstanding. I think there is, I think there's an argument that center is the, their strongest position in terms of, I, I put out a poll the other day. I was like, where do you rank the Knicks point guards against other, other groups, other point guard groups in the league considering like, you know, Brunson, Rose and, and if you want to throw Deuce in there, and I think most, most people voted for like 11 to 15, which I think is right. You know, I think yeah. they're probably somewhere closer to 15 if I, you know, if I had a vote, but like, I think in terms of 48 minutes worth of center play, I think there's a real argument that they, the Knicks are in the top 10. Um, and it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned Sims, uh, funny enough, like literally right as I was coming on, Benji, uh, shout out Benji Ritholtz, um, shot me over. Uh, a tweet from uh, New York Basketball. Again, shout out to him. Great Twitter account. Tibbs today was talking about Jericho Sims and how he's um, how he's like very impressed. He's been terrific. He'll be ready when his opportunity comes. So like they have real depth at that position. And what's nice about it is like those guys do different things, and yet they also do enough of the same things to get Tibbs to like like. Again, Tibbs is not going to play someone in the middle that doesn't offer real rim protection. And Hartenstein is not, he's not Mitch, but he's good. He's serviceable. He's, he's, you know, there were some really outstanding numbers with him on that end of the court, which paint him as like elite, an elite rim protector last year. I don't know if I buy all that, but, um, in terms of the minutes thing, I like to me, I don't care about opening night because I think Mitch was in foul trouble. I don't mm-hmm. like Hartenstein playing 40 minutes. Uh, if anything, maybe we could have seen Sims play a little bit there, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, to me, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. Yeah. I think, you know, Mitch is probably going to play 26, 28 minutes, uh, a, a night, maybe up to 30. Kumbaya? You think it's going to be, you think oh, yeah, it's going to be good between the centers? It's not going to be, uh, oh, I don't think I'm not a Randall Obi last year situation. Oh, where no, now no, no, no. Okay. I don't worry about that at all. Okay. The, the, no, because, Randall, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like, you know, Randall, <laughs> there were issues with Randall. Let's just leave yeah, it at yeah, that yeah, for now. There were, there I don't think issues. situation. I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking because, you know, Mitch today, it was in a positive way and it was kind of in jest, but he was like, Hey, I, I know I got a little bit of money, but you know, I'm still hungry. I still need to work hard. Like that contract. I love that. I love, I, I love that for now. I love that for now. But if he's not going to start playing, you know, his minutes are going to start getting decreased. Then his future contract's gonna get lower. And that's oh, when- no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm out of the loop. I'm not worried about his minutes at all. I just think game okay. one. No, no, I'm, in- this is from me. This is just from my, this is oh, from my yeah. view. I'm just no, like no, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not worried about that at all. I think Mitch has, through the preseason, I mean, to say nothing of like his, his 
his career leading up to this year. It preseason and so far through the, the three games, even though he obviously he was in foul trouble against Memphis. Like I, there is a real conversation I think that we need to have that as far as a drop center, and if you look at the drop centers on defense, it's so like take out Bam. Bam is his own, Bam's his own thing. Um, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of like another, you know, like, you know, not Draymond, not that he's really like a true center, but like if you're just looking at like the drop centers, on defense, he he has to now at this point be in the conversation for top, I think top three guys in the league. Like Rudy's obviously the the standard bearer, but like does he start to decrease at some point? Mm-hmm. You know, so like Robert Williams obviously had a really good year last year, but he's out hurt right now. Um, there are some other guys that are that are really good, but I I cannot I cannot be more impressed with his defense, and I think. It is, and the offensive rebounding again is is also outstanding, and it's a lob threat like. His his role on this team, I think, is immensely secure because of, of the certainty that he provides, specifically on the defensive end. What I do find interesting, and I don't think it's going to cause any tension, but what, what interests me moving forward is you have on the team, obviously, your three ball-dominant guys all want to operate in the paint. Uh, you know, Brunson, RJ, and, and Julius. And there are ways... To do that with Mitchell Robinson on the court, for sure, but it's a lot easier to do it with Isaiah Hardstein on the court because he's a floor spacer. Not, I mean, is he a legit? You know, he's not Kelly Olynyk out there yet, but like he can shoot it. He's made some of them this year, and like he'll fade out to the three, he'll fade out to the corner, and teams are paying attention to him when he's out there, which is all you need. You know, you need teams to at least acknowledge his presence when he is behind the arc, and I think so far they're doing that. So that's something that's interesting to me moving forward. And, but like, you know, if you tell me this year that like Hardenstein averages 22 minutes a game and Mitch is like at 26, like that, I think that's fine. I don't, yeah. I don't, I think that's great. I don't think Mitch is going to mind one bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think it really just comes down to that Memphis game where Hardenstein played so much. I mean, you look at last night, Mitch played 30, Hardenstein played 18, Detroit, Mitch played 23, Hardenstein played 21. So I think it's going to all even out based on if you need defense or offense, depending on the night, yeah. because both of them just offer that different thing. For sure. I like that. But, I like that, actually. Some offensive defensive subs. Yeah. But, I, but Mac, you talked about operating in the paint, and I want to get your opinion on RJ Barrett and his rough start. In my opinion, it's, it's all not totally rough, but it's kind of been up and down because <laughs> Memphis was just rough. That was just a rough game. Had a had a bomb game against Detroit. Then yesterday starts off rough, but finishes nicely and still gets a quiet twenty. What is what has been your thoughts on RJ Barrett so far this season? And do you see this being a constant thing throughout the remainder where he's going to be up and down? I mean, my thoughts on RJ are the same thought that I've had on RJ for three years, which is that <laughs> <laughs> I've l- I. I want to, you know, it's like the X Files poster. Like, I, I want to believe, you know, I want, I want to believe that <laughs> eventually he has the efficiency of like a league average wing. <laughs> and yet, I looked it up today on cleaning the glass. There are seventy nine players in the NBA that have played at least a hundred minutes before uh, what, what day is today? Tuesday before Tuesday night's games. R.J. Barrett ranked seventy ninth of those seventy nine players in points per shot attempt. That's not great. Um, I understand his three games. I understand he was rough from three and like the whole thing, but like at, at some point he needs to start making shots consistently or more consistently than he's doing right now or that he's done throughout his career. And I think the tough part with him is like, we still don't really know what 
that looks like in an ideal world because we are coming off this year where he had this a 30 usage rate from you know December 31st to the end of the year you know when he wasn't efficient but like okay fine he was it was a 30 usage but then you compare that to the year before <clears throat> he's killing it from deep and he's this great off-ball threat but it's an he's an off-ball threat far more than he's an on-ball threat mm-hmm. you know and like where where does this end up? What does what does the Apex version of RJ Barrett look like on a good team? I think that's still a major question. And what I would like to see more from him, and again, shout out to, to Benji Ridholz because he pointed this out on the on the post game last night, is like like it's okay for him to pass more. Like yes. some of like some of some of it is just not taking the bad shot. Right. And he still takes too many bad shots. So lessen those and like yeah, I, I know, like, I'm sure he thinks of himself as one of the best, like, he's a star. And, like, what do stars do? Stars take and hit tough shots. Well, you know, at some point, the numbers are going to be like, you should not take as many of these shots as you are taking. Take fewer of them. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to be monitoring that moving forward. That's, it's, it's, it's pretty simple for, for me as far as RJ is concerned. So, so I was watching that post game. And I, I just, I was like shouting almost like, I just like, I was listening to it, but I was just like, I, I feel like you guys were alluding to it, but you don't want to say it because you want to be nice. And we all love RJ at the end of the day. But what does he do right? Or what does he do best? Well, I think he gets I, I, downhill. And I, and I'll give another shout out. Tom Piccolo, who wrote, who wrote a great, a great piece for the next film school newsletter a few weeks ago. I do think the fact that RJ gets downhill and gets so many shots at the rim and, Again, if you look at from New Year's Eve on last year, started getting to the line a lot. I do think that that matters, and I do think that that's real, and I do think that that puts pressure on a defense because the Kobe assist thing. I do that's real. Like that's a real thing. Like he got a couple last night with with, mm-hmm. with putbacks. I think Hardenstein had had at least one. Maybe he had both of them, mm-hmm. but he had at least a couple of those last night. Like I think that's a real positive. Um. But if your question is like, what is RJ Barrett ever going to be elite at? I don't, other than taking a ton of shots at the rim, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. But again, this is not like I've been saying this for years and I, I've been called an RJ hater by every, you know, all, all corners of the internet because I, I don't, I need to see more before I'm going to anoint him something that I, I, I just don't think we've seen the evidence of yet. That doesn't mean he's not an excellent player. I think he's going to be really, he is good and I think he's going to be even better, but you know, so do you it think, is what it is. Do you think Brunson, cause we've seen Brunson help Randall. We're going to talk about that in a second, but do you think Brunson is going to help RJ get to I, that next level? I don't, uh, if okay. I'm being honest in the, in, well, hell, look, Brunson being on your team will help everybody on the team. Yeah. Be very clear. But I think for Randall, We've seen Julius Randle hit tough shots, a lot of tough shots, because he, he's done it. He's done it throughout his career. He, he has amazing touch around the rim. He has amazing touch around the basket. Now, granted, a lot of that touch was deployed in situations where he was either the five or he was playing alongside a stretch five. So, not not a situation that's going to be the case here, unless he shares the floor with Hardenstein. But that's probably not going to happen a lot. Anyway, <laughs> like with. I think for him coming into the season, it was almost more mental. And I don't mean like getting out of his own head. That's a separate issue. I just mean like him looking at this and being like, I don't have to do it all. Like Jalen Brunson, that dude is freaking amazing at getting, at 
calling oh, his own number so and converting. <laughs> Unreal. So much, Macri. Dude, he's <laughs> like his bag is bottomless. That's what I just keep saying. He's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no, there's no end to his to his bag. The, the shots that he pulls out. So if you're Julius, like, and you know you could pick and choose your spots a little bit more, and then obviously if you play fast and you move without the ball. And like we saw him, you know, he hit those couple of running floaters in the mm-hmm. in the Magic game, like all that stuff. He can do this stuff. We've seen him do this stuff. There's a reason the guy was picked seventh in like a loaded draft, and people were like so high on him, even coming out of high school. Like he's a really super talented guy that has that has had really like really great rim finishing numbers at various points in his career. It's just about fully optimizing him with with RJ. I feel like his way about going about the game is pretty basic right now, which is that he's either going to shoot a spot up or he's going to get the ball and go downhill and drive, and mm-hmm. he's either going to shoot it or he's going to pass it. I don't think that there's as much offensive diversity to his game as Julius Randle, and that's because I don't think he... I just don't think he has the ability to bend a defense in the way that Julius Randle does because he doesn't make the kind like you watch. I, I, we all I killed Julius Randle last year. <laughs> Fucking oh, we killed know. him. Oh, yeah. we know relentlessly. Yeah, but <laughs> that dude makes tough shots. And like yep. you saw last night when he was get, when he was feeling it, right? There was like the fadeaway, right? There was like a couple of other like he's early on this season. You could two, three, four times a game, like making tough baskets. He could do that. That's a thing that he does. RJ's never done that. Like, okay, occasionally he'll have a game where he's like really feeling it and you'll see a couple like, wow, that was quite a runner, but not to the level that Julius does. So that's why I don't know that I'm going to say that Brunson is going to, is going to help RJ as much as he's going to help Julius. I hope I'm wrong with that though. All right. So who knows? Okay. Well, dude, but Jules has been amazing. I just want to, like, I know we're going to move on from Jules, but I just want to say like so far he's looked super in, I've never seen him in this shape in my life. He's great. on the bench, uh, like yesterday, RJ's walking off. He's like talking to RJ, giving him a pep talk. Like usually that's, you know, Randall's sprinting to the locker room, you yeah. know, cause he's pissed off about something. So I just, man, the only thing I'm worried about is the fact that Brunson could save Randall after, you know, you're the number one, you know, slanderer of Randall in our, in our streets, right? In our Knicks Twitter streets. <laughs> and we, you know, yeah. that we respect, right? You were the number one guy is because it's because you were so high on him two years ago, right? It wasn't was. because. So that that's why the, the was high was so high and the low was so low. And, yeah. you know, here we are. So I just – what I'm worried about is, like, that Brunson could help this guy so much in three games and now kind of what everybody's saying about RJ and we're defending. <laughs> you know, we've been defending this for so long. They're kind of being right about RJ being inefficient, about RJ not fitting, about RJ needing the ball. And the, but, I, but here's I'm, the thing, My though. concern meter, I'm on, like, a three – but like I, it's been on a zero for a long time with RJ, and it's starting to click up now that we have a point guard. You know, it's just it's it's really hard to have three ball dominant guys in your starting lineup. Like it doesn't like I forget who said it first, but at some point, some very wise person says like somebody's got to be Chris Bosh, you know, and it's that's just reality. And the big threes that work. They work because they're shooting. That's why they work, you know, and that's why, like, I find it very interesting. One of the numbers that I find fascinating early in the season is that Julius Randle has taken 18 threes. He's taken six threes a game. He's taken 16 spot up threes. And guess what? He's hitting them. 
He hit 37. He's six for 16. Now, is that great? No, but 37%. That'll, man, if he could hit 37% on catch, excuse me, catch and shoots, not spot ups, a slight difference. If he could hit 37% on catch and shoot threes this year, holy hell am I excited for the Knicks offense. Um, but you got to have shooting and typically one of your stars is going to be in more of an off ball role and just be ready to like catch and shoot. But again, we saw RJ do that two years ago and he did it freaking great. Yes, he, he did. He slumped to start the year and then he is like, and then he like took off. He was like 42% from three after the first eight or 10 games of that, of the we here season. Man. Shout out to, shout out to the Knicks film school hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my favorite shirt that we've ever done. Anyway, um, I need to get a new one. Mine's like all faded and dingy. Um, but yeah, like if, if he has to go back to being more of that player, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't even think he'll be overpaid. I think like that, like, you know, look at McCal, I mean, RJ's not the defender that McCal Bridges is, but like, look at McCal Bridges contract and that's a damn bargain. Yeah. If he could do the same off-ball work that McCall does, with maybe a little more on-ball mixed in, that's why I, I, I'll move on after this. Or I'll turn it back to you guys. The notion of RJ playing with second units is has always I been to, very fascinating to me because it makes so much more sense to me Damn. to like, yeah, obviously start him. Like you're not going to bench RJ back. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But like. Work your work your rotation so that he's playing a more significant amount of minutes with the backups where he could go into his bag against opposing teams backups where it might not be as difficult for him to like, mm-hmm. you know, be a little bit more efficient and he could actually do do some more on ball stuff. That's that's what I think his long term, you know, ideal role is. Yeah, and we're seeing that from Tids where he's staggering these rotations, something that we were just Begging for last season because all we got was hockey, tra- hockey, uh, lineup yeah. last year. Now we're seeing RJ with the second unit. We're seeing quickly closing games with the first unit. Yep. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing Isaiah Hartenstein and quickly together with some of the starters. Um, yeah, Tibbs has been doing a good job so far. I mean, the one that stood out to me last, last night was RJ, uh, Fournier, the third Brunson. Quarter. Yeah. In the third yeah. quarter with Hartenstein and Obi. I really like that. It's awesome. And you gave, you gave RJ's chance to shine without Randall being out there. And still Brunson was able to get everything going. So I loved everything. Maybe about that's it. And the we, key, Alex. Maybe that's Brunson? the key. No, separate, <laughs> no, just separate, uh, RJ and Randall. Maybe that's what you guys mean by like moving them to the second, you know, without saying it. No, I don't, let, let me be very clear. I, they should, that would be insane. To, no, 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 to not to start off. No, to, to start. I'm just saying like just for, for efficient minutes, cause they do kind of occupy the same space. I you don't, know, they, you know, cause you, they, they are both kind of downhill. They both are taking spot up threes. Just one's hitting them, one's not. To me, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. This is the fourth year these two play, players have played together, which if you look, not to go off on a tangent, but if like, if you look at through Nick's history, there's not that many like, top, you know, top guys that have that much longer track records playing together, uh, during, unless it's during periods of success. Like, it's a rarity. It's like, you know, you can, I don't know, the most recent one you could point to is probably Jamal Crawford and like Stephon Marbury. I don't know. Like, that's, like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot. These two guys have been together for a long time. And the fact that we're now sitting here in year four of RJ and Julius, and I still don't feel like there's, I don't want to say there's no chemistry. I, that, that, that's, I don't even know what that means. But like, do we have any sense that they make each other better on a basketball court? I personally don't. 
I'm I'm happy for someone to tell me I'm wrong or point me to some evidence that I the numbers certainly don't really say that. Like, yeah, I'm sure you can find some numbers where it's like, oh, in these particular lineups, but like, there's no overwhelming evidence that RJ plus Julius is like, oh, that's you're really setting up for something great. Then, like, I just it really feels like two worlds when they're like when each one gets the ball, even though they're starting. It's like, all right, this is heavily focused on RJ. This is heavily focused on Randall. It doesn't feel like they're all. Come, it's all coming together where they're both helping each other. I would say Randall helps more RJ more so than the other way around, but that's just kind of that. my that, that's just kind of my take on it. But the person that's helping everybody right now is one Jalen Brunson. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Jalen Brunson so far? Oh my what god! You- <laughs> I I that's uh, poetic Macri. We want to hear it. <laughs> nah, I mean, what can you say about him? He's I. I said the moment they signed him, I said he's the next best player. I didn't think there was any any conversation. Now Julius is <laughs> the way Julius has come out, he's making that interesting. I will say that. But Thank God. With <laughs> you know Yes, he's a point guard, and we've always needed a point guard. More than that, and this is the point that I keep making, he's an efficient shot creator. He creates baskets for himself and for other people. And he's really good at that. And he does it really efficiently. He probably won't do it as efficiently in New York as he did in Dallas. But that has, like, people have talked about, like, oh, what's he going to be away from Luka Doncic? I think much better question about, like, what is Brunson going to be away, uh, outside of Dallas? Forget Luka. I mean, obviously, Luka always helps. Again, he's a player that makes everybody around him better, look better, the whole thing. I was more curious, like, what is he going to be away from Maxi Kleber? who was a great stretch five and like gave Brunson so many opportunities to work with in, in an unimpeded um paint. And I am most curious about how he's going to be. And again, Benji's been talking a lot about this, uh, how he's going to be able to like work it, work his magic when there's like someone in the dunker spot. And when like, you know, t- teams are sagging off Julius or teams are sagging off RJ. It's, you know, that's, what's going to be tough. But like, Man, when you talk about shot makers in the league, I mean, I don't know. Are there are there twenty guys who are better than this dude? Are there fifteen guys who are better than this dude? I just, I know he doesn't do it off the dribble from behind the arc, and that's like the one thing that is different from him. You know, versus like your elite, elite, like you know, your dames and your curries and like your mm-hmm. that upper echelon, like the Hall of Famers. But man, from like sixteen feet in, like you keep like you Monster. can't guard the guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's if so our team important. could hit threes, if our team could hit threes from the corner, we'd be better than Dallas. Well, the crazy thing is they've taken the second most corner threes of anyone in the league coming into Tuesday night, and they're hitting them at like a 34% clip, which is garbage. If they could just hit their corner threes at like 38, 39%, like there's a chance this offense might, might be better than we expect, but I want to see it against better competition too. So you talk about threes and Look, right now we got the well, wing position that's interesting outside of, uh, outside of, uh, RJ Barrett. We got Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes, who's still injured, and Evan Fournier. Quentin Grimes going to miss another game, third game, uh, yep. not third. Uh, this will be his fourth game of the regular season yep. that he's missed. And then the, the three preseason games, too. Yep. And three preseason games. What do you make with, uh, Grimes fitting into this rotation? Do you think he can slide back in once he's healthy to the starters? Do you think he's going to take over Cam? Is Fournier the odd man looking out? What do you, what are your thoughts I, on that? I, I'm as lost as everybody else. I, it's easier for me to say the things I don't think will happen. So like, mm-hmm. 
if Grimes is healthy, I think Grimes is going to play. I don't think there's any chance a healthy Grimes will not play. Now, whether he's healthier than they're letting on now, and this is more about just like kicking the can down can down the road and being like super extra precautious so Cam can keep getting minutes, I, I don't know. Who, who the hell knows? Um, but I think if Grimes is healthy, he's going to play. I think Cam... I think if he if he continues trending upwards from where he's if like you know it's it's been three kind of very different games like the Memphis game he, my goodness the second half and the overtime was incredible and then came back down to earth and then the Orlando game was pretty good I think if he keeps trending up I have a very difficult time seeing him be out of the rotation as well so and like you know they're not take like they're not taking quickly out of the rotation or, or anything like that so then it comes down to like okay well. Evan Fournier is currently starting two guard. Huh? And then there's Derek Rose, who's playing like 10 minutes a game, which I know yeah. you guys want to talk about too. I that don't... might be the most surprising thing of this whole year, <laughs> this whole D-Rose 10 minutes thing so far. Yeah, it's weird. It's just, and like he, I think some of it has to do with maybe he's not physically himself yet based on whatever injury happened last season. I don't know. Maybe they're saving him. Maybe I, who the hell knows? But if you would have told me that I'd be sitting here a week into the season talking about Derek Rose being removed from rotation as like a possibility, I would have been like, you're insane. That's <laughs> never going to happen. And yet sitting here right now, would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me. I, I still, I don't know. I, I, if like, like if, for instance, if Cam comes out the next three games and it's just kind of like, you know, Somewhere in between, like how he looked in versus Orlando versus how he lo- and how he looked in Detroit, I could, I guess, I could see them putting him back on the bench as the likeliest thing if Grimes is back. But I, man, it's tough not to ride this one out because, like, and again, I was not never part of the Cam Hive, but like the dude, there's, I think there's something there still. I think Plays defense. Plays defense in Tibbs' system. It's hard to take him out. He, Especially he when Fournier is right there, man. He has like, defensive <laughs> potential. He has defensive yeah. potential. There's a difference between defensive potential and like actually playing defense that is like good possession of possession. He does like, you know, we see the splash plays and like he gets his hands in there because he has like such long arms and like speed and the whole thing. But he also makes errors on defense. And I don't think he's as dependable as like pretty much or most of their other defenders. Um, just because like, you know, that first, um, my goodness, the first half against Memphis, like literally his first play of the game, he lost, he lost his man off yeah. wall, you know, and that, um, and then he, you know, he's just, you get those things from Cam and it's year four. And like, what, you know, when does that, so I think like that stuff has to go away. He needs to mm-hmm. keep looking good with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think there's an easy answer here. I, I, well, it seems like the easy answer. Uh, it's, it's not because <laughs> it's not for two reasons. He's, he's still the best shooter on the team, on a team that needs shooting. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they. I mean, uh, we'll we'll see if they are if they get desperate shooting, of they, shooting. Probably not. Can't yeah, shoot. Just desperate of shooting. Yeah, they they need shooting, and he's their best shooter. And I I believe that. And two, thirty seven million dollars guaranteed, and it's just, <laughs> it would. I mean, to say that. I'm not even saying it's a wrong decision. I actually think it's probably the right decision to remove him from the rotation. But to say that putting $37 million on the bench is, yeah. is, that's, that's not poor asset management. That is abysmal asset management that, you know, 
That's why you got to trade him to the Lakers and get their first round pick. I know what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I don't. Well, talk about abysmal management. Someone the money doesn't pick for Fournier. I will do an investigation. (laughs) No, they're not. Yeah, no one's giving up a pick for Evan Fournier. But like at the same time, at the same time, (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. Like they're not going to be spenders this summer. They have the, they have no money. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to get under the cap. That's not a thing that's going to happen. So next year he becomes an expiring contract back. So like, do they look at this and be like, if they think it's the best basketball decision, which I, again, I'm, I'm not sure that it is, but I think you could at least make that argument that is the best basketball decision when you blend the now and the long term. Would it be that insane to be like, you know what? We're not, we're not spending any money this summer anyway. We'll just, you know, we're going to eat it. We'll try to flip them as an expiring this summer. We'll see what that gets us. Like, is that that crazy? Maybe it's not. I just, it's not how this front office is operated. We'll see. Maybe they're forced to operate that way, you know, now. It's, it's interesting because you tweeted out earlier today, uh, that Cam Reddish is by far New York's most efficient catch and shoot player from deep. <laughs> So, small sample size, four for seven, but yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know it's four for seven, but still, it's, it's funny to see, uh, the efficiency, right? We're talking about efficiency. Yeah. We're talking about potential defense. I mean, I'm going to ask you this question. Who would you rather have playing defense, Evan Fournier or Cam Reddish? Oh, Cam. <laughs> okay. Cam, like, yeah, it's, and, and again, that's with acknowledgement that like Cam's going to do some things that make you shake your head, but you, like, my man, potential has gotten more coaches fired like than than anything else. But like, I I, I can't believe I'm saying I never would have thought I'd be saying this about Cam Reddish. I, I think you have to, I think you have to play this one out. I think his ceiling, to the extent that it's that the ceiling that people, I don't know if the ceiling people envisioned for him when he was like at Duke still exists. I don't know that we could real like can we really it's still say out that? there. It, it's still not maybe not in the front office, but definitely amongst Cam Hive, there's the Paul George factor in well, there somewhere. That, that's oh great. God. Go, go find me. Go find me. Literally one, one other player in NBA history who had this trajectory. They were a top four recruit, went, played one season of college, were pretty bad or at least underwhelmed, got drafted, had three years of their career where they were a borderline like rotation player in the league. And then skyrocketed to be, you know, a multi-time all-star. Because if you're talking the se- no, I'm saying, I'm just, yeah. Cause if no, you're, when you say it out loud, it's just like, you know, every prom uh, no, is different. Like, because like happened. Christian Leitner almost, but that, that he wasn't a one and done. You know what I mean? There's no one and dones that fall into that category. You're totally right. Like you want to, like, I don't know. You want to give me like D'Angelo Russell was like, you know, really on the outs. Ben you know, Simmons. Let, who? Ben Simmons. I don't, well, I think Ben Simmons, I mean, Ben Simmons made all NBA teams and now he's at like a valley and like, I guess, but I, I don't know, but he's, he's still considered like a, an important a piece real of what player. The, yeah. With the, with the, I don't think that that's a, that's a comp, but like, Wiggins? there's just this, what's that? How about Wiggins? Even Wiggins though, when he was getting criticized as being like having the worst contract in the league, he was, the dude was still putting up whatever he was, <laughs> yeah, was putting true, up 17, true, 18 true. points a night. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point, man. That's a good like, point. Cam's in his weird own little, little section. I agree with that. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't. So that's why I like to, when we talk about the, the, the ceiling outcome, I don't think we could realistically 
have the same ceiling outcome that again existed like when he was starting at Duke. Like I think our our realistic ceiling has to change. What is that? I don't I don't know. Who the hell knows? But I whatever it is, I think it's worth exploring. I'll say that. All right. All right, man. We're gonna leave you on this last question. Sure. We're not going to get too detailed into what you think this next season is going to look like. How many wins? Who cares about that? I care about one thing and one thing only, and that's the playoffs. Are we going to make damn playoffs? Are we going to have a play in? Like, what's this look like right now? I know it's too early in the East. You know, it's only four games in, but I I have a set of six seed, but of course that's, you know, 87% heart. (laughs) And then like, you know, like 30% be actually looking at what's going on in the East. So I have him as a six seed. Alex has had us as a play-in. He fell in love after game one. He's like, oh, our sixth seed, but you know, we're we're we're, we're towing that line. Where, where do you sit, man? Um, I'm literally pulling up. Not that the standings mean anything, but I'm literally pulling up the standings as, as you asked me that. Um, I I think. Let me say this: I, Is there a world where I think the Knicks are one of the twelve best teams? By the end of the year, <laughs> yeah, sure. I think that world exists. I think it's highly <laughs> unlikely, but I think that world exists. I, what about just the East? Just the East. <laughs> well, but see, that's that's the thing. Is it's like, yeah. like I, the competition. It's just in the East, especially. Like I know Phillies or whatever they are. They're one in three. Phillies gonna be fine. They're gonna figure it out. Uh, Boston's gonna be very good. Um, and Milwaukee, Milwaukee's, you know, I, I, they're my title pick. So I think those three teams are kind of locks. Mm-hmm. Miami's gonna be fine. I know they're one in three. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll be fine. And Toronto, uh, Toronto, I also think is a pretty, they're good. I think they're a pretty safe bet. So that's five teams. Mm-hmm. You want, you want to tell me the Nets are going to underwhelm enough for the Knicks to have a better record than them? I'm more okay. worried about the Cavs, to be honest. That's the team. Yeah. That's the team. And yeah. they're going to be good. And they are good. And they're going to be good. And like, they seem like I thought maybe it would take some time to figure out the Mitchell Garland thing. And I know Garland like got hurt and he was, you know, didn't play in the last <laughs> nah. game. But man, that's why I like nasty. realistically, I'm, I think if you want to tell me like seven seed. Okay. Sure. I, I'm not sure I'd bet on seven. And I think I'd probably feel, I'd feel a lot more comfortable betting on eight or nine, but I think mm-hmm. they'll be eight or nine. I think it'll be eight or nine. I, Two game playoff is tough. I'm I, that's I'm scared of that. To be honest, like the play in, like how like, I know like two, two losses, having to win two games for the nine or the ten just doesn't feel like a Nick thing to do. And then go win a series. I don't. Well, Jesus Christ, winning. I'm just winning saying a that sounds series. crazy to me. That sounds crazy. So I'm just I'm just trying to focus. I'm just trying to keep. My, my, my focus Listen, is clear this year, man, because if, if, last year things went awry. Randall the Knicks, this, Fournier that, Tibbs this. I just, I'm just trying to focus on the playoffs. If the Knicks win a playoff series this year, good Lord. they should build statues <laughs> to every player on the roster, the coach, every member of the front office, the fucking ushers, the, the people who laid the bricks at, like, at, for Madison Square Garden. They should, they should unearth their corpses and, and make statues of them if the Knicks <laughs> win a playoff series this year. I love this. I love this. Let's clip this. Let's uh let's make I just, it like whoever needs to see it. I mean, man, that but look, who knows? Crazy shit happens. I All mean, right, so you, ha- you guys have a play in. That, that, it's fair. It's fair. You guys have a play in though. We're definitely making a yeah. play in in your eyes. I mean, sure. definitely is like 
I don't know about that. I, nothing... I couldn't even grab that. I was, I was trying to hold on to something. Hey, no, man, you're the like, gambler over there. You know there's no such thing as definitely. Come on. <laughs> this is definitely here. The Knicks are definitely making a play. In. That, I, I, that I will say. I hope they do. But, yeah. but like, I think they could be a really good team. And I, I have that much respect for the rest of the East. I just really, I really do. I think, like, my God, the Magic. I think I picked the Magic to finish either 14. I think I picked the Magic to finish 14th in the East. That team is Good. That's like, they're not a good team, maybe, I mean, but they're, they're not four, bad. But they're, good. They're, t- they're talented. All right, they're t- yeah, they're a very they're t- talented. They're, you know team. what they are? They're thin. They they they're very they're top heavy. They're thin, and um, and they need they need their guys to get back. But uh, uh, there are other guys who are currently injured. But like that's if that's the thirteenth or fourth fourteenth best team in the East. Holy hell! Um, it's just it's brutal. It's just absolutely brutal. And like they they don't. You know, they, it's going to be tough for them, I think, to score against these better teams. I think I, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. So. I hope so too. Succeed, baby. Hey, man. Let's go. Well, on that note, Macri, <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Please let our listeners know where they can find you. Although if they know about us and they don't know about you, that is a travesty. <laughs> no, uh, thank you. That was very kind. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, JC Macri NBA. Um, you can, and, and all of our stuff is just under the, the Knicks Film School umbrella. So my newsletter is just Knicks Film School on, uh, Substack, Knicks Film School podcast, Knicks Film School YouTube channel. We have a TikTok account now up and running. Definitely that's get fun. on the newsletter. I mean, my, that, that's like the almost a daily text between me and my brother is your newsletter. Like, like something comes up. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I love writing the newsletter. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, but yeah, man, this was great. Uh, you know, lo- can we merch in the store? The week we get merch in the store. Oh yeah. Well, we gotta get some, we gotta get some fresh merch out, which we're gonna do. Um, cause I think there's definitely some, some cool stuff to, to, you know, this team has like some some things that I would Characters. if you put it on a t-shirt I would I would buy it. <laughs> oh, so we got to sure. get we got to get on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in for another next episode of the Knicks Chats Etc podcast. We out. <laughs> Let's go Knicks. Making the playoffs. All right. <laughs>In Colorado, you can legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER.